This is the Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Catch Stan every weekday at 2 on your 24-7 home of the black and gold, SNR. I want you to know that oftentimes I get show ideas, topic ideas from you folks. And I got a tweet yesterday afternoon from Hurricane Ron who says, Stan, at Stan, love the show, when will the NFLPA take charge and punish their own union brothers? Perfect is targeting and trying to purposely injure his own brothers. Why does the NFL have to do it? I'm glad Ron mentioned that. I want to go back a little bit. About three, four years ago, we were doing one of those sports spectacular things that we do here at iHeart. January with Mark Madden and Tim Benz and Bob McLaughlin. And I don't remember if Adam was on the stage with us or not. And Bob McLaughlin was the moderator. And he's last question. What is the biggest danger to sports, professional sports in the next coming years? Everybody had their answer. Here was my answer. Players' unions. Players' unions. So I want you to know, Ron, thanks for your suggestion, but I've been on this for a while now, and I want to pick it up thanks to your suggestion. I am not anti-union, not at all. I belong to a union. Have for as long as I've been in Pittsburgh. So what, 43 years, whatever it is now? So that's not it. But here's the question I have to ask, and we've discussed this before, and I've heard from union representatives and all that kind of thing. At what point does the NFLPA or the NHLPA stop defending the repeat offenders, like Tom Wilson, like Vontez Perfect? As soon as they get a suspension for their behavior, there's not much they can do when it's a PED issue because that's laid out in the CBA. But punishment, you know, for a, a dirty hit, that kind of thing, apparently that's negotiable. I mean, look what just happened with Austin Watson of the Nashville Predators. He got 28 games or whatever it was for spousal abuse. And the union negotiated down to 18. Now, that's a little bit of a different case. Not that that's acceptable. But he did that to his partner, and then she later recanted. And But in this particular case, with a guy like Vontez Burbick or a guy like Tom Wilson, the union people will stand up and say, well, they're union members. They're members of the rank and file, and it's our responsibility to defend them. Fair enough, but let me ask you a very simple question. Isn't Antonio Brown a union member too? Shouldn't he be protected at least as much as the predator? And I don't mean national predator. I mean perfect is a predator. You heard at the beginning of the show, Marcus Gilbert, they don't often do this. 
calling for a suspension. Other Steeler players said the same thing. I see on Twitter, I read articles. There's an article out today by someone saying, is Vontez Burford worth it anymore to the Bengals? And my question is, if Burford gets a suspension for his hit on Brown, and it wasn't even the hit, it was the intent. He was out to nail him in the head. He pretty much missed. But no one doubts what he was doing. And I'm sorry, in a case with a guy like that or anyone like that, your past history does and should come into play. It absolutely should. And if Burford gets a suspension, which apparently he won't, why? Well, because Brown was still ambulatory, much to the regret of the Cincinnati Bengals. Maybe he didn't have to come out of the game. Maybe he didn't have to miss a playoff game the next week. Oh, couldn't have been too bad. Like the NHL, judging punishment based on the extent of injury. And the initial contact was made by Bates, who also had to leave the game. No penalty. But if Burfick were to get a suspension, you can bet that the NFL Players Association would stand up and defend him. And again, some will say, well, that's what Vontez Burfick pays dues for. But at what point does the NFLPA which frankly is more interested in making the league look bad. They're more interested in winning something over Goodell than they are in true justice. At what point does the union stand up and say, hey, that player you're targeting, whether it's Antonio Brown or someone from Kansas City or whomever, They're union members, too. You are giving the entire league a bad name. Forget about the league. You're giving other players a bad name. And when other players start speaking up about it, I mean, it's one thing for a general manager, an owner, to say, hey, that guy. But when his fellow players start complaining about it, not only because they are aggrieved parties, because they're defending their teammate, but because they are expressing some concern about the league. At what point does the union stand up and say, no more, Vontez, you're on your own. As a matter of fact, we side with the league. There'll be no defense if a suspension is handed down. And at what point do his fellow players address Perfect directly and go, hey, brah, uh-uh, too much, too often, too far. Now, Hurricane Ron says, why doesn't the NFLPA do something? They do not have the power to punish him. I mean, they can't suspend him. But the NFL does. And the NHLPA is not 
or NFLPA or NHLPA is not bound to offer a defense. Now, if they think in a particular case that someone has been dealt with unfairly or the penalty is too harsh, again, non-PED related because that is written in stone, then they should stand up. That's their function as a union. Make sure that the CBA is not violated. And, of course, their biggest beef, talking about the, the Players Association, they believe that Goodell has too much power. We've been through that before. The Steelers objected to it. Wouldn't sign the CBA, if you'll recall. But in this particular case, with a repeat offender, they should just say, not this time, pal, you're on your own. Because we agree with the NFL, whatever they come down with. And by the way, a fine won't do it. He's been fined four times. It's only his second game back. He only had a handful of plays the week before. He comes back, and he's at it again. Now, this recent suspension was for PEDs, but you'll remember a couple years ago, he was suspended for four games. That might have been for the Brown hit in the playoff game, and they reduced it to three. Why they did that, I don't know. Is this any better, and by that I mean worse? Then what he did to Brown the first time around, the intent was obvious. A fine's not going to do it. He should be suspended for this. And you don't often hear NFL players agreeing with that. Because that's the thing about the union. it makes the players closer together because they feel that they have got a common cause. None of them like Goodell. I mean, none none of them like the rules. None of them like the idea that Goodell has sole, sole power on discipline. Of course, they gave that away and gave that up in the collective bargaining agreement. That's likely to change next time around in 2021. But at what point do they stand up and say, You're injuring our other members. They deserve to be protected from someone like you. I'll be very anxious to see if the NFL suspends Burfecht for this, which I doubt, but if they did, and he wants to appeal, would the union finally say, nah. A fine ain't going to do it. And you know what? A one- or two-game suspension Ain't going to do it because it hasn't done it in the past. He got three games for the Antonio Brown hit in the playoff game. You see any change in his behavior? We're going to be talking about this, plus Le'Veon Bell and that story with Adita Kinkabwala at 1 o'clock. She's from the NFL Network. The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. I don't know if this is a guy that can ever learn. Really, I, I think he should be suspended probably the rest of the season because 
Nothing else has gotten through to him. And I don't know if he's getting many more chances to be able to continue his career in the NFL because he has clearly shown no matter what the NFL does to him, he will not change the way he's playing the game. And that is just not a player that you can allow on the field. Ask and ye shall receive. That is Joe Thomas, future Hall of Fame tackle, well-respected guy in the NFL. And you heard what he said. We'll see. And again, I point to the union and wonder what reaction, if any, they will have on all this. And if he does get suspended, talking about Burfecht, will they once again feel obligated to defend him? We're joined now by one of my favorite guests. I think we just lost her. (laughs) Did I say something? Did I offend uh, Aditi already? That didn't take very long. There we go. Okay. That ruined my really beautiful intro. I have to start all over again now. (laughs) One of my favorite guests, until she hangs up on me. But women hanging up on me, I'm very used to that. Aditi Kinkabwala of the NFL Network joins us now. You know what? I'm thinking if I'm polite enough to interrupt, or too polite to interrupt, I'm not. It was your producer who hung up on me, Dan. Did you? I would never hang up on you. Oh, okay. He better not either. Um, you're not beholden to me. He is. Uh, actually, it's, it's actually it's the other way around. I'm, I'm totally fine to sell him out. Sorry. Okay. Sorry. Greg's a nice guy. You'll you'll get the you can hang up on him, not me. Um, I don't know if you were able to hear that, Aditi. Joe Thomas today uh, saying that Vontez Burfik, uh should be suspended for the rest of the year. Nothing else seems to get through to him. Uh, we are hearing rumblings that not much, if anything, is going to be done. You're well-connected with the league. What are you hearing vis-a-vis the attempt to injure on Antonio Brown? You know, I, um, I only saw what you are referencing. I think it was Paul Dater of the Cincinnati Inquirer who is, knows more about Burfick's, uh suspension history, saying he does not expect any sort of uh, repercussions. And I... I'm going to fall closer to what Joe Thomas is saying. It just seems so egregious at this point and so unnecessary. And I'll just say, forget what I think. I had a conversation yesterday with David DeCastro, the Steelers' right guard, and he was saying there are such good guys on that team. He said that whole front, Carlos Dunlap, Michael Johnson, Geno Atkins, he said they're great guys, and it makes for such great competition, and it's so much fun knowing that you can't take a single second off. You really, they demand the best out of you. And he said the way that Burfick plays, all that little extracurricular stuff, that little extra elbow to the head, the sitting on a player, the taking a while to get up, and is that a kick or is that not a kick of a fallen player? He said it just takes away from what otherwise really truly is a classy team, a good team, a talented team, and it kind of just gets colored by this one personality. And at this point, I mean, how many allowances does one person get? Yeah, obviously um, he got four games, which was reduced to three. That's where I'm going with this, Uh, why? Because the NFL Players Association felt obligated uh, as a member of their rank and file to defend him. And so they negotiated from four to three for the elbow hit on Antonio Brown. Um, But at what point does the NFLPA stand up and say, you know what, Antonio Brown is a member of the union too. And anybody else that Burfecht attacks is a member of the union and deserves as much protection 
as the perpetrator does uh, or you know, and predator. I love that you say that because it makes me think of who was the former baseball head, who was the former baseball head who unfortunately I think passed away from cancer, Michael with a W. Why can I not remember his name? But in any case, he had made that point years ago when the union had to go to bat, essentially, for players who were using performance-enhancing drugs. And at the time, he said, it is also the union's job to protect the Derek Jeters, to protect the players that yep. are playing the game cleanly. And that's exactly the point you're making, Sam. I, I completely agree with you, 100%. A union has to represent all of its members. And this is another thing that DeCastro said to me yesterday. He said, there are far more good guys in the NFL than there are bad guys. There are far more clean players than there are dirty players. So then why is the union not going to bat more for all of those clean players, for superstars like Antonio Brown, who repeatedly now, this isn't the first time that he suffered a blow like this from Montez Perfect that was seemingly outside the field of play. Uh, undoubtedly. Uh, it also seems to me, uh, w- when you go back to the baseball reference, and I, I said this in my opening statement uh, to start today's show uh, <clears throat> at noon today, that there would be no drug testing in Major League Baseball if it hadn't been for members of the Players Association saying, we don't want to be lumped into the guys who are using PEDs because everybody's being painted with a broad brush now, and they spoke out against their fellow union members saying, we're not using and we don't want to be lumped in, and that is, at that point... It was Donald Fear who now runs the hockey union, but it was Donald Fear had to acquiesce plus that shameful performance before Congress with McGuire and Palmero and Sosa and those guys that finally turned the tide. But there was a case where a rank and file member said, Enough is enough. And I'm wondering if Marcus Gilbert was very forceful in the statement. You mentioned David DeCastro. Joe Thomas is, is now active and a well respected guy, if that's what it will take to get the league to take action. Right. Right. Um, you know what? It was Michael Weiner. That was his name. There you go. And uh, you're right. Uh, and he did. He passed away from cancer at the age of 51. It was terrible, a brain tumor. Not that that's relevant, but it, that was exactly the point, the tack that he took. I think it went such a long way in cleaning up the game, and it's certainly something that the NFL should think about, the NFLPA should think about, in regards to things like this. Well, there's another writer you, you mentioned, um, the Cincinnati Inquirer, um, a guy named Mo Egger, who writes for The Athletic yes. in Cincinnati, wrote a piece today and said, quote, he wonders if Vontez Perfect is no longer worth the trouble for the Bengals. Bengals. And let's keep in mind, talk about a you know, good guy, good organization. They made him a captain. I mean, he, he and Pac-Man Jones were the captains of the team. Are you kidding? You know, Marvin Lewis truly, truly has a soft spot for young men. And I've, I've had this argument with Marvin Lewis. In fact, I had this argument with him at the Ohio State Pro Day this past year, which is funny because that day he was scouting Sam Hubbard and Billy Price, both of whom are on his team now. Of course, Price is the center who's injured, and Sam Hubbard has been playing really well at end. Um, and I said to him, you just forgive too much. And he said, oh, you know, he's not a bad kid. He's just, you know, he's a bad, he's not a bad kid. He just makes some misguided decisions. I said, this is ridiculous. You can't tell me that the kid is smart and he's just making stupid plays. 
if you're if you're going to say he's really a smart guy, then he actually knows exactly what he's doing. And Joe Thomas is right. Nothing has been a deterrent yet. And this is one of those things, you know, again, Marvin Lewis has a soft spot for players who grow up without fathers, without strong male figures. And, I mean, I, I'll say it aloud because I said it to Marvin Lewis. I think sometimes love is blind. You don't see the truth necessarily. Well, there are a lot of people who have grown up in that unfortunate circumstance who don't behave the way he does. <laughs> um, so I don't know that that... Very, nece- very... I'm not excusing anything. I'm not saying that that's... No, I know you're not. just saying that Marvin Lewis is kind of cutting him some slack or forgiving some things that perhaps he shouldn't. Last item on... Uh, on this topic, Aditi, and that is Aditi Kinkabala is our guest, NFL Network, a rising star. I don't know, your star is already high in the sky. I don't know how much higher you can rise. Um, but it seems to me that the NFL, uh, there's a spotlight on them now because you cannot sit there and say one of your major concerns is player safety and allow a thug who clearly is out to injure people to continue to play. I mean, that, to me, is very contradictory, and I'm not getting on a high horse. And you know what? I I believe in myself enough to know that if this had happened to a Denver Bronco, not a Steeler, but I would say the same thing. But it seems to me, if you're going to sit there and tell me, yeah, we're really worried about player safety and allow this dinosaur to roam the, the face of the earth, then it's a total contradiction. Well, it's a totally fair point, but this is one of those things that perhaps you should take up with Mike Tomlin. I mean, he's a member of the competition committee. You know, and the refs know. The officials know who are the dirty players. I mean, I've had many a conversation with officials over who are the people that they think are the dirtiest in the league or guys that they always need to watch out for in some way. And, uh, you know, these these aren't hidden things. These aren't secrets. So it sort of does make you wonder, why does it, if, you, if you're being so conscious of the way that you, uh, you would lead with a helmet or how you tackle or whether you're targeting, then why do these things go unnoticed or forgiven? I mean, none of this is flagged on the field either. Is that part of it? Is that part of why there's no suspension? Well, th- th- I mean, that shouldn't be an issue because penalties are missed all the time. As a matter of fact, if you want to penalize someone, Bates should be penalized because he was the one who initiated the helmet-to-helmet contact, although he went out too. I, I honestly, all, I mean, they-, they missed the penalty, but I also think that, you know, if, if we're going by what they say, then that can't be allowed either. And I, well, I, I do, you know, and I, and I completely agree with you on this. I mean, how does T.J. Watt, let's be honest, and I'll sound like a homer when I say oh, this, 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 at least your audience will understand this. How does, does T.J. Watt get penalized $20,000, <laughs> the price of a car, for doing his best to avoid basically grazing a quarterback and nothing happens to a player who comes in with a shoulder to somebody's head who's already being taken down by two other teammates. It just defies logic. Well, having followed the NHL for all this time, it's completely understandable to me because you see that all the time. Sometimes they mete out punishment based on the severity of the injury, which is not the way to go about it. I mean, that that thing with T.J. Watt and Matt Ryan, I guarantee you that 
uh, Matt Ryan would have had more contact taking off pantyhose um, on his legs than he got on that deal. Uh, all right, n- enough of that. I'm anxious to see if, what, if anything, the NFL does. And, you know, Showtime has their program tonight, the NFL, whatever they call that. I'm, I'm anxious to know if, it, yeah, it, it, if that comes up, you know, those, uh, you know, those you know, sports of uh, NFL programs on the NFL Network, on ESPN, wherever they happen to be. It ought to be uh, a hot topic because he's, he's a repeat of, uh, offender. Um, uh, Le'Veon Bell, there's no watch that's not worth watching. Um, do you think, did they expect him there? Uh, was that just, you know, a report that, you know, Le'Veon Bell throwing another change up in the dirt to get somebody to swing and miss? I mean, I guess it's so hard at this point to really even understand what the rhyme and reason to any of this is. And forget me saying that Andrew Brandt, who was, an agent in the league for a very long time, and a team executive with the Packers for a long time. Even he this weekend said, I'm completely lost. What is the motivation here? What I just I don't understand walking away from $6 million. That's your money. It's yours, Stan. It, it's not, I mean, not yours. I mean, if it were yours, I'm sure you wouldn't walk away from it. But it, it's his money. He just had to show up, and it was his. It's amazing to me. It's not as if this was a negotiation. It's not, I, I just, I don't know. From a football sense, look at how well this offense is playing. And I'll, and I'll say, this, this is not me. Ed Bouchette actually said this to me yesterday. He said, look at where this offense ranks in production, in points, in yardage. It's, it, it's not as if there's a huge hole somewhere. I mean, how much better? Are you really asking them to play necessarily? So that's one piece of it. And then the other piece is when you talk to the offensive linemen, Stan, they're always going to tell you, oh, we just block, we just do our job, it doesn't matter who's behind us. But who's kidding who? It's a totally different way of blocking for James Conner than it is for Le'Veon Bell. And I'll tell you this, it's a lot easier to block for James Conner than it is for Le'Veon Bell. When you block for Le'Veon Bell, he is always dancing behind the line. That means you need to hold your block for a heck of a lot longer than when you have a running back who's going to hit a hole at a certain time at a certain point. I mean, I had one of the linemen say to me, you know, I was getting ready to move on to the linebacker, and Connor was already into the secondary. He hits the hole, and he goes. And so linemen are doing what they love to do, which is essentially run blocking, pushing forward. But when you're run blocking for Le'Veon Bell, who's dancing behind the line, it's a little bit like pass blocking almost because you're holding your block for so long. And that's another piece of this entire puzzle that I think Le'Veon Bell is not considering, and and I won't. I'll say that another running backs coach in the league told me this, said this to me actually a few weeks ago. He said, Le'Veon Bell can't sign with just any team next year. He said that it has to be a very specific line that he signs with because he doesn't have the same success if he's not with a particular line. And I can tell you this, the Steelers line has adjusted and adapted the way that it blocks to Le'Veon over the last few years. They have essentially perfected the art of blocking for a running back who has a very, very distinct, unique style. That's not going to work everywhere. Uh, undoubtedly, although I wonder, uh, and totally in agreement with you, I wonder about how much success matters to Le'Veon Bell uh, individually or collectively as a team, or is it going to be all about the money? I, I think you've alluded to something. That was actually my next question, uh, and that is uh, when we were – training camp and the preseason and all that kind of stuff. Um, I got to get you some hot tea and lemon. You've been, 
You've been hacking since the for two weeks at the at the game the other day. Um, uh, um, it it seems to me that at that point, if you would have told me that they're going to be without Le'Veon Bell for an extended period of time, which this now is, I would have said they're going to be in big trouble because we didn't know the extent of James Conner's ability or his availability. He's been injured often. But now as time has gone on, I don't know if you'll agree with me, I still maintain that they would be better with the both of them, not one over the other. But, I mean, I I threw this out in the postgame show with Charlie Batch Sunday evening. And that is, I can see James Conner lining up in the backfield with Bell split out, which he does often anyway, because they haven't been able to develop a third wide receiver in James Washington. You know, Bell, he's not a wideout, but he sure can function like one. I think they're Definitely. better. I think they're better with Le'Veon Bell. That being said, they certainly, if he never shows up or they, whatever they do with him, um, they're not dead, as Ed, as Ed pointed out, and you just alluded to. They're pretty good offensively, even without Le'Veon Bell. I think they could be even better. Well, when you sit here and you talk about James Conner's bruising physical style, style, the way that if he sees one little crack of daylight, he can push his way through that, make a hole. But where Le'Veon is magical is in the open field. So why not split him out? And you know what? We saw that on Sunday. Stephen Ridley was spread wide at one point, was split out at one point. And you're right. Look, at the end of the day, two running backs are always, always, always better than one. Look at the two Super Bowl teams from last year. The Eagles and the Patriots both each used three running backs apiece to get to where they were. You want that to stay healthy. You want that to lessen the wear and tear and the load on any one of them. And look, you know, at the end of the day, no matter what we say about Le'Veon Bell, he is one of the league's most dynamic playmakers. You're going to find a way to use him. And as Ben Roethlisberger said, you're not going to put James Conner on the shelf either. No doubt. Um, Skip tweets us, and he said, uh, if Bell comes back, they'll join L.A., the Rams, K.C., and New England as elite offenses in the NFL. Patriots have thrived for 20 years with a multidimensional one-two punch at back, you know, using guys like Corey Dillon and, and Vaughn and, uh, and you know, Kevin Falk and guys like that. Um, there's no question that they're better with him, but um, they won't cancel the rest of the season if Le'Veon Bell never puts on his shoulder pads. That's for sure, but, you know, I can't wait until he shows up and we can say, okay, what the heck were you thinking? Uh, I don't know, but, I mean, obviously they've got televisions and strip clubs and on jet skis because he's been <laughs> – He's been watching and tweeting. He's he's well aware of what's going on. Well, and that was nice to see him tweet on Sunday, Stan, yeah. about James Conner. Yeah. He certainly was impressed by him. So that's what you want to see. And you know what? It's sad because the truth of the matter is, is that up until this year, no one would have ever said anything about Le'Veon Bell being a selfish player. And I know I've said this to you a million times. On the field, he sure as heck is not. He's not a guy who's ever screaming for the ball. He's not a guy who ever protests about any part of his job. He will willingly block. He will willingly do whatever it is that you ask of him. He is absolutely a very good teammate. I think that not calling his teammates, not cluing anybody in on what his plans were, not communicating with anybody other than a reporter, than Jeremy Fowler over the course of the last however many months. You know, it's too bad. It's too bad because the narrative around him has certainly changed a little bit. And, you know, he doesn't just immediately step into the locker room as if nothing has changed. He will certainly have to say something to his teammates, and he knows that. He said that himself to Jeremy. Uh, Undoubtedly. And I, I can't wait. Just, you know, 
like a, when I was a young, yes, I was young once, uh, <laughs> a young reporter, um, a veteran, grizzled, gnarly newspaper guy said to me, always root for the story, kid. Uh, and with that in mind, in conjunction with that, I can't wait if he shows up and he reports his first carry at Heinz Field. I just, just because of what the reaction might be, whether he runs 100 yards for a touchdown or fumble, whatever he does, I just, I'm anxious to hear what the fans' reaction to him will be. Oh, come on, Stan. Look at what, how Pittsburgh sports fans are. Really? They'll boo him. You perform. No, I think you perform. All is forgiven. Uh, eventually, plenty of examples of that. Undoubtedly, but I think eventually the first handoff, um, and even if he scores a touchdown, I think they'll cheer the touchdown, but not the guy who scored it. Tem- you know, I wasn't here for that, Stan. When when Ben Roethlisberger returned after his suspension, yeah. what was the response when he came out? Here's what happened. There were all kinds of people saying, I'll never buy another Ben Jury. I won't wear it. I'll burn it. Uh, shame on him. Um, especially women, uh, said we're not, you know, because they were, at that point they were selling pink Steeler jerseys with seven on it. Um, right. and, and, yeah, they were everywhere. And um, all these people said, well, I'm never going to, and you know, you know, good for them, but I'll never forget there was no discernible negative reaction and all the protests. There were supposed to be protests outside the stadium. Um, I didn't see any. I didn't hear of any. Um, and it passed very quickly. I agree. I see, and that's my point right there. Exactly my point. You right and there. all right. You and I. Are gonna, you think, we're going to bet. We'll disagree. We're, no, we're not. We'll settle it because we're going to. We'll, we'll make a bet. We sit next to each other in the press box. The first carry or the first touch he gets, we'll see what the crowd reaction is, and uh, I'll I'll bet you water. Although they're free, that's water, not a real water. good bet. Yeah. Some of those suckers you keep in your uh, briefcase. Oh, you got it. I'll bring you bags <laughs> full if, if I lose that bet. <laughs> All right. Well, Stan, I always appreciate that. Thanks, Aditi. Thanks. Always enjoy the conversation. Uh, I'll see you My soon. Pleasure. Enjoy the bye week if they're giving you one. And uh, we'll <laughs> see you for the Cleveland game. Sounds great. You take care. All right. You too. Bye. Bye. That's Aditi Kinkabwala. You can see her on the NFL Network. Uh, covers the AFC North, but mostly the Steelers. Um, and I asked her a few weeks back, I said, were you supposed to, because she covered uh, the Browns training camp and some of the Ravens, I believe. And uh, I said, do you, you have to cover the entire AFC North? Um, she's based in Pittsburgh, but, you know, they send her places, whatever. And she said, yeah, that was the plan. But the, the people at the NFL Network said, there's so much drama with the Steelers. You just stay right there. Because every day, there's something going on, right? All right, I want to offer my, my thoughts on, uh, on on not whether or not Le'Veon Bell will be booed or, you know, I still think that people are going to have a negative reaction the longer this goes on. It'll pass uh, eventually. Uh, but what it means for the Steelers, in, just in terms of football, just within the parameters of what it might mean to the team. You're invited to join in at 412-922-2874, pound 970 on your cell. You can email me, stansaverin at iheartmedia.com, post on our Facebook page, Saverin on Sports, or tweet at Stan Love the Show. It's Saverin on Sports on your home of the Steelers and Pens, ESPN Pittsburgh. Sure. 
The Saverin on Steelers podcast from Steelers Nation Radio. Black to the left. They give to Connor. Connor runs through a hole up the field. 30, 35, 40, 45. He's knocked out of bounds at the 50-yard line into the Cincinnati bench area. Nice run for James Connor. That's huge, man. I like that. I like that style. I think it's a hard position to have, you know, one. I think Le'Veon has done a tremendous job being a workhorse. I mean, that's somebody said it's hard to do. That's impressive what he's done. But to have two guys in there that are always going to be fresh and be able to pound on defense, like you see kind of like New Orleans Saints, kind of those kind of styles. I mean, I think it's a it's a good system to have. So we'll see how it goes. You know, I don't know. It's, a, it's kind of new territory, and it's, it's great, obviously, to have two capable backs. That's David DeCastro. And Aditi's right. They're two different blocking styles, but it's not something that they've automatically forgotten. And again, I think you can play the both of them together. I mean, not every down, but I do think one of the areas where the Steeler offense has struggled, and they haven't struggled much, they did against Baltimore, and somewhat against Cleveland, I guess, but that third wide receiver, they, they have not found that. Now they've gotten somewhat of a substitute, but imagine a good, reliable third wide receiver I don't care how many balls he catches, just the attention you have to pay to him would then open up avenues for Juju, A.B., and imagine a very good third wide receiver, which they are hoping for with James Washington, not giving up on him, but I don't know that we're going to get much from him. Imagine all that with Vance McDonald. And even if James Conner remains your primary back, when Le'Veon Bell comes on the field, whether you boom or not, opposing defenses have to be aware of his presence, just his presence. Like having a great hitter on deck as you pitch to the guy in front of him, you're well aware who's coming up next. If Bell's in the lineup, whether he's there with Connor or without him, you have to pay attention to him. You have to be aware of where he is and what he's doing. But if he doesn't show, or he does and they trade him, by the way, in case you're not aware, the trading deadline is two weeks from this afternoon, 30th. Assuming Connor doesn't get hurt, They're still going to be pretty good offensively. But consider this. What tandem would you rather have? James Conner and Le'Veon Bell? Or James Conner and Steven Ridley? And that's not a shot at Ridley. I mean, I think he's fine, but let's get real. Allen posts on Facebook, all Bell did was save the team money and help the development in the development of James Conner. Our record would probably be the same or maybe one more win with Bell. To which Harry responds, well, since Bell doesn't play defense, he isn't fixing that. So I'm happy to see Conner playing. Defense wouldn't be 5-1. and one. Might be 4-2, and two, but whatever. Conner's the one here next year, so he matters most. Well, that is true. But I think it's pretty clear 
that the Steelers still believe they're a Super Bowl contender. I don't think anybody has much doubt about their intentions before the season. I mean, yeah, they I mean they got off to a bad start. But what has happened to make anyone think that inside the organization thinks that they're not Super Bowl contenders? I think it's pretty clear that they're putting up with this Bell holdout, and they're doing fine without him. And again, I don't know that their record would be any different. But they understand what Bell can bring. And look, if they were one in four right now or something, one in five, or if they really didn't think that they had a team good enough to win, you, you don't put up with this. But there's no reason at half game out of the division lead, half game behind the Patriots, if you're looking at that, I mean, there's no reason to think that their objectives have changed at all. I think they're exactly the same and will be whether Bell reports or not. 412-922-2874, pound 970, Dallas in Columbus, Ohio. Hi, Dallas. Hey, Dan, I love the show. I just want to Thank get you. my thoughts on this. Um, this whole thing is just very odd. I think I don't think anybody knows what's going through their heads at all with him and his agent because it's just so odd and so weird how this is all going down, and I hope that he does show up Monday because I mean, Mark Madden says, oh, yeah, you know, I don't want to see him on, on his – because he says on his show he don't want to see him on the offense. But I think it will be very dangerous of an offense if he shows up on Monday and we have him in the slot and him uh, – Connor in the backfield with Vance McDonald, Tony Brown, and Juju Smith-Schuster. I think it would be very dangerous offense. And also, you know, it's just confusing to me that he would leave this money on the table like how he how he how he has the last couple of weeks. It's just so stupid and just well kind of look at it this awesome. way. Well, he's from your area. Maybe is that true of everybody in the Columbus area? Mm-hmm. I'm just kidding. I'm <laughs> yeah. just kidding. Um, he's, that's where he's from, from Reynoldsburg. Uh, he's left a lot of money, six million on the table, but I think there are a couple things. Le'Veon Bell has made a lot of money in his career. Now, $6 million is I don't care how much you have, $6 million is nothing to sneeze at. But let's remember he made 12 and a half last year, and he knows that next year he's going to be making, I don't know, 15, 16, and, and, you know, and probably get a three-year contract with somebody. Um, again, uh, that's a lot of money to leave uh, on the table. Uh, it's hard for us in our day-to-day lives to imagine that. Uh, but it's not like he needs the money to live. It's not like um, he didn't get a lot of money to sign way back when, when he was a rookie in 2013. It's not like he didn't make $12.5 million last year. I mean, think about that. Yeah, he's leaving money on the table, but if he shows up the rest of the year, um, he's still going to make seven. Um, I don't know what... You cannot afford if you make seven million a year and twenty over the last two. So I mean, yeah. I, I I don't think that you know. And he knows he's going to cash in big time next year. 
Well, uh, I don't know if you've seen on Twitter, but he uh, supposedly he's not on those jet skis anymore. He's I don't know if you've seen the uh, 93.7 The Fan posted that there was a fan, or actually three fans saw him uh, over at the get-go gas station. Yeah, well, that's why whatever yeah. they say over there you should not pay attention to. <laughs> if he was at the get-go on the south side, uh, the chances are he would have reported uh, to the Steelers. Whatever. That, that, that kind of ancillary stuff um, yeah. doesn't interest me. Dallas, thanks very much for the call. Well, we got everybody plugged here. Adam says, don't forget that Lev Bell has done close to nothing in the playoffs. The Steelers aren't a running back away from a Super Bowl. They're a secondary away from a Super Bowl. Um, I don't think that's a fair analysis, Adam. For all the play, I don't even know how you can say that. You don't know what you're talking about. How about his performances against Kansas City and Miami in the playoffs? What do you have, 173 yards in one game? And, and then, then he went out in the AFC Championship game. Yeah, I mean, he's missed a lot of the playoff games because he was hurt. And he wasn't missing it because he had a hangnail. He had knee surgery. That's a stupid thing to say. You should take down that tweet right away. Remember what he did in the 16 playoffs? Now, not much going on last year, although his numbers weren't bad last year. But you start out 21 to nothing down, and you minimize his effectiveness. I think that's a dumb thing to say. 